I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Hip Hop and Politics. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio and Fox 5, free of charge on my website, lisaevers.com. Now, in this episode, we're talking about hip hop and politics. Politics and serious issues have always had a place in hip hop, from Chuck D and Public Enemies' Fight the Power to Childish Gambino's This Is America. Now that hip hop culture dominates American popular culture with tens of millions of fans and followers, the question is can hip hop become a real political force and determine the outcome of actual elections? Could hip hop culture put the next president in the White House? Kanye West thinks so. So do the people wearing his Kanye for President 20. 2020 t-shirts. Now there's a lot at stake in our country right now, many issues, especially affecting our communities and our futures, but there's more to real political change than popularity and hashtag movements. Let's find out what our panel has to say. Joining me is Londell McMillan, the famous entertainment attorney. He's also the publisher and owner of The Source. Londell, great to have you on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is do-it-all Dupre Kelly. He's a member of the famous multi-platinum selling group Lords of of the underground. He's yeah. a yeah. yeah sir. He's a community activist. I'm going to give you one for yeah. that. One for that. And he's a former political candidate, so he's covered all the spectrums there. Uh, do it all. Great to have you on the uh, show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so Always much. good to see you. Good to see you. Also with us is Basil Smichael. He's a political strategist and a Columbia University and CUNY professor. Basil, great to have you good with us. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Landell, I want to start with you on this. Hip-hop and politics, is it more entwined and more vibrant right now than ever before, or, or do you think we're kind of in a lull? I think that it's more on the radar because of a number of factors. Uh, obviously, we've got a president in office that is very much antagonizing and inspiring the hip-hop community. But also, we've got a culture that has grown and is now 45 years old. And so many of the um, early adopters of hip-hop culture now have children, uh, also are more involved in social issues, are more aware, concerned about health concerned about um, uh, police issues as they've always been, concerned about so many issues that really deal with you know, climate change and so, so many issues that it's just a natural progression and I expect to see more of it. Do it all. You have been and you continue to tour and you're out there. You've been yes. also done so many different things, movies, television, mm -hmm. you know, really a very, very full career. But as you know, as you and you've also been involved in hip hop almost since day one. Yes. So where do you see the culture now in terms of political awareness? Are people wearing these movements and causes like like trends or like it's the hot new sneaker or is there a real do you, do you feel like there's a real shift? Um, I think that it's a little of everything. Right. I think that. Some people have worn it like it's just a fad, but as Londell said, hip hop is getting older. It's a 45 year old genre of music, which is still relatively young when it comes to other genres. But for our culture, it's starting to get older where we're starting to have these little pockets of, of different type of hip hop. Now you have trap music, you know, you have these other, other derivatives, but overall hip hop is a billion dollar business. And anytime you deal with 
economics, it becomes political. Basil, what about in, in terms of actually electing someone? Because you've worked on campaigns, mm -hmm. you've strategized, you know, New York State Democratic Party, we're, we're the head of that. Do you see there an actual movement or momentum, or is this just all talk, PR, social media, yak, yak, yak? Well, so, so I agree with everybody here. There definitely is uh, momentum. It's on the radar. We've seen more turnout in uh, the primary season over the last several months that we've seen in decades. Um, so that's that's very important. Um, but I, and I also think it, when you talk about people who are elected, what, you know, my students when Donald Trump got elected, um, and they and he signed the executive order banning Muslims from coming in this country or right. Muslims from certain countries from coming in. And my students were like, can he do that? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> those are the powers of the president. And if you're not mindful of the powers of the people that you elect, um, it, you, you're going to be surprised by some of the things that are being done, especially if you don't like them. So we, we impress upon folks that if you care about uh, police tactics, if you take care about cash bail and reduction to that or, or eliminating that, if you care about raise the age, if you care about uh, uh, marijuana, marijuana, all of these issues. Or, uh, the Brooklyn, bar the Brooklyn uh, district attorney, who's a Cornell grad, by the way, with me and Lydell, um, who, who is, who is uh, reducing or eliminating uh, the marijuana the, the, convictions. The, the convictions. Right. Um, those things matter. And those are the people that we elect to create those policies, so it absolutely matters. There, so you're you're saying there's more people are seeing more of a direct connection between who's in office and things actually changing. Absolutely. Do it all. Tell us about your experience running for Newark City Ooh. Council member at large. Man, Was politics that is uh, man. It's a crazy <laughs> world in politics. I learned a lot. Um, I ran for councilman at large in the great city of Newark, New Jersey. Um, you know, and it was a, a very good experience, a very good learning experience. I've known our mayor, Raj J. Baraka, for probably 30 years, and everybody was saying, well, why weren't you on his ticket? And, you know, I had to learn why, <laughs> you know, and getting into the political game, everybody said, do, you've sold millions of records, you're going to be a shoe-in, the popularity of your name in this community is going to be a shoe-in. And I knew from running the process that popularity alone does not win uh, elections, you know. And you, I had to understand that these are people who have been campaigning and, and all they want to be is elected officials. So who am I to think that I'm going to come in here and knock a $2 million budget off of, you know, out of their sight or take food off of their plate or change the education for their children? These people are living off of the... So they're trying to do any and everything to stay but what, But was it, t tell, us, tell us for real, like personally how you felt. Here you are, an internationally known artist, right? Your mm -hmm. place in hip hop culture and hip hop history is, you know, you should have your own statue along with uh, everyone else. That, that's great. You're known in Newark. Everybody mm -hmm. in Newark knows you. They know you're there. They know you're out there in the community. Was it kind of harsh just realizing yes, that, wow, that's harsh. not enough? Yes, it, it was harsh because it makes you realize that it's not enough when they pull down posters, when you see friends of yours doing all of these sneaky political tactics because they want to be in that seat and they, they're going to do anything necessary to keep you from it. And I used to always say that the hip-hop game and the entertainment game was parallel to the political game. That's being on the outside and just hanging around the politicians, but actually going through the process 
it's it's a little harsher than than this entertainment game. It's a lot of backstabbing, and it's a lot of we don't care. It's almost like the mafia with with uh, out whacking you uh, physically. But Londell, the in terms of harshness, I mean, you've been you've been involved in the entertainment industry the as an attorney harsh. with, <laughs> with the, the most, most harsh, notorious. With, <laughs> with, the no, with the most notorious fighting for artists' yeah, rights right. and and fighting to help people. Yeah. But what do you think about that? Do, do those skills translate automatically into the political arena? Absolutely. Whenever, whenever there is the control of the hearts and minds of people and there's economics tied to anything, you're going to find that kind of pull. Um, and like hip-hop, um, politics, you can find yourself in the same room with someone who is an Ivy League graduate, HBCU graduate, or someone who just came out of the pen, came out of prison. Uh, someone who, and, and that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But there has to be regulation and there has to be control. But similar to hip-hop and I would say politics, you know, you've got people out there pushing the message or pushing their music. They're pushing a the campaign. They got to have a crew. They need <laughs> funds right. to push whatever they're pushing, that's right? right? <laughs> and at, at the end of the day, they're fighting for votes or they're fighting for the sell of their product. And they're acting very, very nice in front of each other, but it's very, very competitive. And so there's a lot of, uh, I think, similarities. Uh, the difference, though, is that many of the artists don't understand that hip-hop culture has to be also something where we focus on controlling the industry, right? When you're talking about the industry, a lot of the people who we know in politics, they, there's, a, there's an industry beyond the social services and the civic services and public policy. There's an industry. And while they want our votes in hip-hop and they want our support of hip-hop, those political parties and others and candidates don't support us and share their industry with the hip-hop community. And they're, they're, they're billions of dollars being raised in funds, but they don't share that income with the community that can inspire get out the vote, help bring people together. And that's what I'm here. It would be unfair for me to challenge hip-hop around industry and economics and not do the same thing about the politics, whether it's Democratic Party, Republican Party, Independent Party. The political party. industry overall. We're going to get into The political industry. Well, and we're going to get into that more. We're, yeah. we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, this is Shaggy, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people. Only on Hot 97. Shug it up. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip-hop and politics. Could hip-hop culture be responsible for changing our entire political system? Let's find out what our guests have to say. Joining me is Londell McMillan, the famous entertainment attorney. He's also the publisher and owner of The Source. Londell, great to have you with us. Always a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. Also with us is do-it-all Dupre Kelly. He is a member of the Lords of the Underground multi-platinum selling group. He's also an actor and producer, community activist, and former political candidate in Newark. Do-it-all, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Basil Smeichel. He's a political strategist and a Columbia University and CUNY professor. Basil, great to have you with us. Let's let's talk about faith in the system because Hot 97, we have always, uh, for years, done the hip-hop votes campaign. 
and trying to get people to register at car shows, concerts, summer jam, all over the place. One of the big stumbling blocks is people do not have faith in the system. They don't feel like their vote's going to matter. They don't feel like there's any correction, uh, connection to them directly. And then now after we see all of the, you know, alleged political meddling mm -hmm. with social media and issues and that type of thing, Basil, People just feel like, why even bother? And I understand it um, because I have to try to get them to overcome it every year after year after year. Um, they had a lot of faith in the system when Barack Obama won. Yes. Right? And because they, there was a sense that my vote had this direct uh, consequence on this first, the first African-American president being elected. But when, you, when they see things like you, the Russian meddling, for example, or even just the election of people that they don't like, it's like, well, you know, this isn't for me. But going back to a point that we've been making earlier, when the elected officials start representing and working on issues that you care about right. and are coming into your community and talking about these things, that gives people a little more hope. But there are two other quick things that I want to add. One, that we're actually seeing a change. We, we're seeing, for example, uh, Congressman Crowley, who is a 14-year, 14-term uh, incumbent, um, gets ousted by a 28-year-old Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, in part because she started going to talk and talking to voters that uh, Congressman Crowley never did. Right. That district had become, had, had increased. Had changed, it, too. Had changed dramatically. The Latino population doubled in size during the time that Congressman Crowley was in office, and a lot of them didn't feel that they had any connection to or the Or were included or, exactly. or valued. So when she goes and campaigns, in those communities and talks to those voters, they feel more engaged. And then one other, so things like that, I think, help people get more active um, and, 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 as I said, engaged. But there's one other thing that's a little technical. As a head of the state party, I oversee a voter file. So I have a file on every voter in the state of New York, and we sell it to candidates. If you don't vote, the candidate knows that. We know if you don't vote. We don't know who you vote for. Okay, and you're, you're raising, you're raising a good point. For let, let, let me ask Landella and do it all. A very famous elected official in the New York area who we all know said to me, Lisa, he goes, you know I love hip-hop. I'll support it. I'll support everything. I'll support what you guys are doing with Street Soldiers. However, hip-hop does not vote. What do you say to that, do it all? Yeah, they, they don't vote. We have to understand hip-hop is the pop culture now. And any time for my four decades of living, any time that there's a pop culture, it always drives society forward. It always moves society forward. And the reason why hip-hop is not voting because when you have these old politicians who are, are lifelong politicians, they begin to, as they age, not look like the people that they're representing. They no longer look like uh, the people that they're actually representing. So if hip-hop, if it's the pop culture and it's driving and moving society forward and it does not have a voice at the table, then people feel like there is nobody, there's nobody speaking their language, so they won't support it when we still really need to support it. No, definitely. Linda, what about that? The, well, the I, faith I, would, I would challenge the, the no because okay. when you say hip-hop, you know, you have to really be careful because we, we've got multiple segments right. of hip-hop culture. Okay. We've got multiple generations of hip-hop culture. We've even got some of the most powerful elected officials who are hip-hop heads. So when you say hip-hop doesn't vote, we have to actually say who in hip-hop are you referring to? Right. What audience? Are you referring to the audience that is the same audience of all young people under the age of 18 that don't vote? Because no one can vote if you're under 18. That's right. number one, right? And so if we're talking about hip-hop people who, let's say, are professionals, who love it, it's all in the iPod, all of them are voting, right? They're voting. 
If you're talking about many of the artists, that's a different thing. So perhaps you don't use them as pulling the lever, use them as an influencer. And they can influence, so they may not vote, but they can influence thousands to come out to vote. Right. And that's the key. The key is not only who's voting, because you have to vote. You should be registered. You should be elected. But also the key is who's getting people out to vote. And so you've got people who are making these comments. They don't understand the culture. They don't understand the community. But these people in politics are not engaging those of us who know the community, know the culture, know how to put it together. And also understand this, how the system works. Knows how the system works. Anybody, so that, well, that, bridge that, is, that bridge is so key. And if I could just add to that real quick, because wasn't it Jay-Z in 2008 that said you can't go to my concert if you don't show a voter ID card or something like that? Well, no, totally, was, and, and, absolutely. Remember, and, Diddy did Vote or Die, right. which, we, which was based die, on hip-hop absolutely. votes from Hot 97. Right. We had, when we started, Fat Joe and, and 50 Cent and, and a number of other artists did uh, you know, public so service critical. announcements. That is so critical because it gets people into the process and talks to, and says... Look, you come and support my concert, but you got to support the issues that we care about, too. Absolutely. They say hip-hop doesn't vote. This is the number one hip-hop magazine started years ago. And look, we actually we had a whole campaign dedicated to it. We had a whole campaign on our digital and social showing and telling people if you've been arrested before, you know, where you can and where you can't vote. Right. Which We're categories. Educating right. Because a lot of people have misinformation. And so part of this is how do we actually educate people so that they can not only vote their interests, but they can come out and they can support the community in ways to use their leverage. Do it all, when you were campaigning for, for city council member at large mm -hmm. in Newark, did, what kinds of things were people saying to you about the system or when you were like, hey, man, get, yeah, they're like, hey, I love you. I love your music, Bo. And you're like, hey, yeah, how about voting for me? Right. Like, what kinds of things would they say during those conversations? Um, I was hearing Because I know you were out there big time. Yeah, we, I mean... Uh, my team and I, we probably hit about, it's probably 300,000 people, residents in Newark, New Jersey. There's 222,000 registered voters in Newark, New Jersey. And we had the lowest turnout probably in a long time. And the reason being is because, you know, like I said, in my city, people were tired of just the, the old avant-garde of the old, you know, regime. And they wanted something new. And the thing is, when you're, you have a lot of uphill battle when you're in a campaign, especially when you're not on a team, you know. So the people were saying to me, the, the, the elders were saying, well, we don't know laws of the underground. We don't know about the hip-hop music. And we know what hip-hop represents to us in our mind. Pants sagging, they, everything that was negative. <laughs> right, with, the negative stereotypes. I'm, I'm, yeah. The negative stereotypes. Everything right. the negative stereotypes for the elder voters, for the senior voters. The 25 to 18-year-old voters, them, them too, they didn't really necessarily know about the hip-hop laws of the underground. So now it was, you know, the millennials were saying, well, what can you do for me? Right. You know, and then you have the the golden era uh, hip hop lovers, the the four, the thirty five to and up, you know, aged. They're they're the ones that Londell is talking about. They do get out and vote. They understand what it is. But it's how do you captivate the youth who might don't know who you are and seniors don't know who you are. And it's time to really just speak your truth. 
Um, let them see the action that you're doing in the community. And that's where the work comes into play. And, and people, they, they can put aside hip-hop, they can put aside the politics, and they can say, all right, these people are really doing the work. And I think that's what they were And, and Basil, what about this? Is this true, true or false? Because this is another thing that I've heard in my work, you know, reporting, is some of the people in the political industry who are very successful mm -hmm. at it, they don't really want new people coming in, and they don't really mm -hmm. want to change the status quo because as long as there's a low turnout, they can kind of control the outcome oh, yes. and control what goes on. Is well, that? I mean, yeah. I mean, look, the the incumbency rates for most elected officials is up in the mid 90s, 95, 96 percent. It's hard to get an incumbent out <laughs> in part because turnout tends to be very low. So the only people coming out are the folks that are just used to coming out all the time to, to vote. And that's why it's important, number, number one, to have competition, to make sure that they have challenges, because that brings out more people and consistently push them, protest them, get in their face, get in their office, because if you don't, they're just going to be complacent. And that's what we're seeing, that a lot of these folks are, are, are losing their races because they have been so complacent over time, and they don't look like the communities that, right. have, that the have new demographics that have changed and have grown. so dramatically. And, have I mean, grown. and, in, and in, think about, like in Florida right now, on the ballot this November is, a, is an initiative to, over, to, to restore the voting rights of 1.5 million people. In Virginia, the last governor restored voting rights to tens of thousands. So when you have people that are actually addressing issues and understand the importance of it, um, it will push folks out to the polls. And then in terms of the difficulty of it, though, Londell, the, the voter, you know, people is, are used to just, you know, clicking on something on their phone and then they're registered and boom, it's done. Or you can buy, you know, you can spend a lot of money on your phone or do whatever, vote for a favorite song, participate like that. But for the voting process, to register to vote, you actually still have to, even though you go online, you still have to print it out, you have to mail it in. It's kind of very old school with that way. Do you think that deters some people? I think perhaps, and I think each state has different uh, ways of which they go about it. But, you know, I'm very encouraged because of new technology and uh, young people and others who they find a way to get and, and handle what they need to handle. We need to actually just place a greater emphasis on the direct link of voting and, and power and um, making their lives better. We have to focus on that link, and we have to demand that the industry of politics share some of that wealth so we can invest in this demographic. Because if the machine doesn't value it, they won't value the process. And very few people talk about that. If we looked at the campaigns uh, for the past 10 years, the trillions of dollars, you would probably find less than 1% of any income that goes to groups that have authentic credibility in a hip-hop community that can bring millions of people to vote. And that's what we have to focus on. We have to focus on how to use the process better to, make to that get connection. better government. All right, there you go. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, what up? It's a game, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip-hop and politics. Could hip-hop elect the next president? Joining me for this conversation, famed entertainment attorney Londell McMillan, and also the publisher and owner of The Source. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. 
Thank you so much. Also with us is Do It All Dupre Kelly. He's a member of the platinum selling hip hop group Lords of the Underground. He's a community activist and also a former political candidate in Newark. Do It All, great to have you with us. Glad to be here, Lise. Thank you so much. Also with us is Basil Smichael, political strategist and Columbia University and CUNY professor. Basil, great to have you with us. Thank you as always. Thank you so much. Do It All, as you uh, were campaigning, but also in your role as an artist and being out there in the community, what are the issues that you see people are most energized about um well in our city everybody just the thing is if you were part of a city doing its turmoil doing its down times then you want to be a part of make sure that you put yourself in position to be a part of the city doing this uprise doing this renaissance and that was the biggest issue gentrification people didn't want to get pushed out of something that they've been a part of for so long so if now we're starting to get the good part they wanted to know how do we implement ourselves in being part of that good part you know so the gentrification and the the, the changes many changes happening in newark yes the feeling left out feeling pushed out mm -hmm. feeling kind of sidelined that's in right. their own city yeah i mean people feeling uh kind of sidelined because of the home issues, you know, um, just, to, you know, how, how the affordable housing in our cities, right. uh, homelessness in our cities, you know, um, how do people, uh, re-entry programs, how do people come and get reacclimated to being part of society? And it was just really uh, a lot of uh, just regular issues in the community, you know, upkeep and making sure that the roads are all right. See, the, the residents are, they're not that uh, hard to please. They just want to make sure that the quality of life in their community is great, that the education system is good for their children and their things are due for their youth, for the youth, and make sure that 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 our el elderly are protected. You know, it was simple. It sounds simple when we say it, but when you're dealing with it in a political arena, there's a lot of layers and a lot of right. a, a lot of levels. Landell, in, ter in terms of issues, what issues do you think are the most uh, in the forefront right now? I think police um, police issues always an issue. Jobs always an issue. I think um, healthcare. A lot of people in the hip hop community are aging and starting to really pay a lot of attention to healthcare. Immigration. Um, what happened? You know, with um, the families uh, being separated. Yeah, the families being separated really touched and hit a lot of people. Certain key issues that come up from time, whether it was Katrina years ago or even what happened in Puerto Rico, you know, these things, you know, touch people who have roots in these communities, so it becomes more real. And as, as Basil said, you know, when, when, when public policy can become something that touches people's private lives in a way that they can relate, they tend to activate differently. Right. So those are the issues I see. Basil, what do you think about the, the issues that Landell just mentioned? Agree with everything everyone has said, I would add. Well, you don't uh, have to agree well, I'm just gonna, to be... No, I, I actually do agree. I hear all of it. We like it. a good street soldiers, you know, Absolutely. back and forth yeah. once in a while. No, you know, it's hip hop. We got a, you know, yeah, got a little bit of a battle. Yeah, right. I would say, you know, <laughs> I would battle. add affordable college to it, too, and a sort of nuance of, of two things that were mentioned. Um, jobs, yes, and also wages. And the reason I say that is because people oh, are yeah. working more than they have been in a very long time. But there are 43 million Americans right now that are actually working but still living in poverty. Uh, and if you look at um, uh, the housing, the city controller just had a, had a uh, report that said that there were a million af affordable apartments taken off the market between 2005 and now. 
which means that, it, and it's and it's progressing. Plus, what do we call affordable? And, and, you know, and what's affordable? That, some people call three thousand dollars a month right. affordable housing. And so to tie the jobs into that as well, people are working, but the wages haven't increased enough for them to be able to afford things like health care or college or uh, or housing right now. So we've got to we've got to actually focus a lot more on forcing companies to pay a little more, and maybe that comes with the uh, raise in the. Um, in a federal minimum wage to $15, which is um, something that the organized labor has been talking about. So is, is, is there also a sense, too, because so really these issues, there are a lot of issues, like the housing, too, we've seen in, in New York, yeah. especially in Brooklyn and the Bronx, has been the gentrification yeah. has been a, a big issue there. The law enforcement issues around police misconduct, police brutality, right. and also inadequate policing in some of the communities. Right. They feel like they're not getting enough protection, the, the criminal justice system. And, and on the positive side, community policing. And community yeah. policing, which That's has been great. Well, right? Right? Oh, and can we say well. something about NYCHA also? Yeah. We I have know, to say I mean, something the, about NYCHA. I mean, well, you I, know we've done we've done quite a bit of work on NYCHA. I know, and the, the mayor just housing. had a, there was a town hall that um, um, I saw, I think, yesterday. Um, it's just horrific what's been happening with NYCHA. And between the city and the federal government and the state, has to get on the ball. These are you talk about these are people's lives with their children. Where they they they're told now that they can't smoke in their homes, but they're still breathing in mold and mildew. Right. I mean that's just ridiculous. I mean that's just no. It's, it, it boggles it boggles the mind. But let me that's but that's an issue there that in terms of galvanizing yeah. voters because also too with everything that's happened in NYCHA and I've done I just did a story last week. On a, on a, a garbage issue. I mean, just the most horrendous basic human rights things. The head of the NYCHA Residence, Presidents Association of all the associations says that they're, they're going to present to the United Nations that residents in NYCHA are being uh -huh. treated, you know, as if they're in a third world country, yeah. that they're not getting standard, you know, standard respect. But Absolutely. that issue there, if wouldn't that make people want to get involved in this more in the system? They should. It's 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 exactly what is supposed to happen. These are. These are elected leaders and appointed leaders that have been, that have not focused on this massive community of people and families and households for at decades. Least, this at is least not, 400,000 people, which is decades. bigger than the city of Newark. Right. That's right. For decades. It's not that it just happened. Housing. This has happened for decades. And, you know, with all due respect to the, to the governor, for him to have been in office for eight years and not have gone to a NYCHA development once until this election year, I mean, that, that's But, do you, but is break, that going to make somebody vote? It, it, it breaks my heart. I mean, I grew up, I was born in public housing, and I went to college out of public housing, and I, I understand the the vast amount of issues that are there that we should all be concerned about whether you grew up there or not but it raises the issue and the distinction between political campaigning and governing yep. when you're when you're going for office people are saying what they need to say to get elected they're, right. they're, they're positioning in that way but once you're there what are you governing what are your priorities who do you care about do you want to be fair to everyone? How can you not be fair to the people in public and, and I think that in Lundell, I think that's, and isn't that the theme for all of these issues, whether it's immigration, whether it's police issues, jobs, health care, housing, it's this whole sense that there's these two systems of rules, two systems of justice, two systems of treatment, that there's one for one group of people and one for another group of people. Can hip hop help bridge that gap, though? It, it, it has in one sense. I've, look, I've, I'm... I'm 46 years old, so hip hop has been around all my entire life. Well, I've been around all of hip hop's life, um, <laughs> and so I've seen how it bridges communities, it bridges race, ethnicity, and even generation. Um, but there's one. But politics has not been able to do that as well. 
Um, but what we need to do is elect more folks like us right. from, from the hip-hop community. And the problem is that the industry of politics has been so resistant to that. But, it's, but it is changing. The country's demographics are changing. New York's demographics are changing. It, it will turn, but the question is, will it turn quickly enough? There is a huge connection between politics and governance. And as long as folks like us are co consistently sort of hammering that message home, um, you'll see that change. You will. All right, we're going yeah. to uh, take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about advice for people who want to get involved in the system and, and what we need to know in order to make some changes and make some positive moves. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, NYC, what up? You already know who this is. Your boy, Uncle Murder, a.k.a. East New York. And right now, you're listening to Street Soldiers Live on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers. Real people, real issues, real politics. You heard? Brooklyn. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip-hop and politics. Could hip-hop elect the next president? That's what we're talking about with our guests. Joining me is famed entertainment attorney, Londell McMillan. He's also the publisher and owner of The Source. Great hey, to have you with us. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to have you. Also with us is Do It All Dupre Kelly. He's a member of the platinum-selling hip-hop group Lords of the Underground, a community activist, and also a former political candidate in Newark. Do it all great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Basil Smichael, political strategist and also a Columbia University and CUNY professor. Basil, great to have you with Thank us. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. In terms of looking to the future and moving forward, do it all. Would you ever run for po political office again? Well, well, first of all, that's for me, it's four years away because we just came out of right, an election. <laughs> but my thing is that I haven't stopped doing the work. Because I feel like everybody right. who cast a vote for me, everybody who believed in me, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for my city and the people that, that wants change. So even though we didn't win the seat, it's not a loss. Long as I continue to do the work, my team continues to do the work, then whatever presents itself in the future and the people, the you know, the people say we want you to represent us, then I, I you know, I really will think about that. That sounds like a yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the lawyer. That sounds like I have to stop. Do we need to just ask you? Let's get it one hundred. Let's get to the source of this all. Right, right? 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 like a yes. <laughs> Let me write my check. I'm not, I'm not close to it. Exactly. I'm going to be on board this time. It's going to be a dip. We'll be on board too. We'll be on board too. That's genius. We'll go take a look at some places. And, yeah. uh, and, and see, see, see what's hey, going on. If they come in now, four years from now, I can say yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, ter in terms of uh, you know, women, there's a lot more women candidates this year, more women getting involved. Is, is that a plus, Basil? It's, it's absolutely I mean, a there's boom a, for we the know process. The answer to that, but. Well, it's a boom for the process in general, and particularly if you're a Democrat and what African-American women have done to move the party forward has been phenomenal. We actually have the opportunity to elect three African-American governors in this country. That's right. Uh, in Georgia, in Maryland, in and Florida. in Florida. Right. Do you know how many black governors there have been in this entire country's history? Four. Wow. In the entire history of this nation, only four. And we have the opportunity to elect three more this year. Um, and women will be, sub uh, and it's an African-American woman, Stacey Abrams, running in Georgia. So women are at the forefront of, of the party. They're at the forefront of our mobilization. So I mean, it's an absolutely great thing. For and I think at the forefront of this country's moral compass. Yeah. Right. When you really look at what happened right after Trump was elected with the Women's March, you know, that sent a very, very powerful message that is reverberating. And, and one of, uh, two of those leaders uh, are women, African-American leaders, 
who are were African American women who are in love with hip hop. You know, for right. example, Tamika Mallory is one. Um, Danae Ingram is one. These these sisters they love hip hop, um, but they love America and they love their people. And so it's very important to realize that with the proper dosage and the proper usage, hip hop is a powerful force locally, nationally, and internationally. And what about what about candidates? Uh, alleged candidates, or should we say like <laughs> Kanye West, do it all? I think And, and Kanye said he basically, I guess he's for Trump, but then he said he doesn't want the Democratic Party to feel like they own the black vote. What 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 about that? Well, I, I think you have two Kanyes out there at different <laughs> times, right? Just two? <laughs> you know, maybe maybe more. But um, on one part, I, I like Ye. I, I think, you know, uh, he's an interesting guy. But um, President of the United States, that's a very big task. I think that he's more of what Londell said and is more of an influencer than actual uh, actual candidate. And and I can say this now from being a candidate locally, and I think that's important too. Let's let's stop shooting for the federal level and start to to Put worry about early. that's right. Put in the work in your local communities. Become that change that you want to see in your local communities. Because what that does is that gives us powerful power locally, and then we can buy up real estate and, and do things that I'm we glad can you raise there before we take it to the I'm, I'm glad you raised that point basil some a lot of you've said this before to us with, with interviews about politics is that these local races like the state assembly yeah. like the city council members these are Very the most important because they're the people that'll make sure that you have the police the good cops the neighborhood cops on your block that your park is cleaned up and that the in repair that type of thing most of the policy that affects your day-to-day -day life is enacted on the state level but most people don't vote in state elections versus federal elections, and most people don't want to run for office initially. They um, want to go for president. They want to go they for want president, the White House Congress, the whatever the case. But state politics is incredibly important to your day-to-day -day lives. There's no federal right to education. There's no federal right to health care. All of those policies are state-level policies. So when we get people out and motivated to vote in the state elections and running for state elections, you have the most impact on people's day-to-day -day lives. Right. Lundell, what do you think about that in terms of like the, all the changes you've seen? You're a Brooklyn guy and what you see <laughs> happening in Brooklyn now. Uh, I, I, a lot of good, but a lot of tension too. Yeah, and, and I think that's growth. And I think we have to manage that growth and um, organize, organize, organize. Everything we're talking about here, certainly hip hop has the power, but it won't do anything unless those in it organize and, and get the right direction. And so that's that's kind of um, where I'm at. You know, it's about how do we take this opportunity and leverage it as best we can. You mentioned Kanye. You know, obviously I've been one of his lawyers, probably was his lawyer during his most critical time of his life and his career. Um, I love the guy. But L Kanye, some like other hip-hop artists, sometimes don't realize that they're on the record constantly oh, they're on yes. the record this yes. is not this yeah. is not a rhyme this is not a lyric that right. you kind of go in and out <laughs> when you start speaking publicly you're on record so you have to have some discipline uh, about what you're talking about right. and not just go out there and so he's going to have to he's going to have to deal with that but you hear things like Will Smith you know out there they're talking about Will and he was joking around saw a little mm -hmm. little video with Will saying I might run and then uh, Dave Chappelle said 
I might run for vice president so nothing happens to Will. <laughs> so it's, it's a great time right now. Yeah, it's a it's great, a, great a lot of opportunities. What about, Bezel, do you think social media will help? I mean, we've seen it help in, you know, certainly with President Obama's election, the way mm -hmm. it was used in a positive way with yeah. Facebook and getting out the vote. It does help tremendously um, because it creates a community um, on in, virtually online. So it's a great way to sort of mobilize people at a moment's notice. Can I tell you the one thing that actually helps the most? Yes. Is actually putting civics back in the classroom. And the reason I say that is if you look at what happened with those young people from Parkland in Florida, right. they had civics, they do debate teams, and you saw the way that that tragedy mobilized them to mobilize young people across the country. That's not just social media, that is a culture of civic engagement that starts when they're very young. That's the most important thing that we could do for our young people today, is put civics back in the classroom, we'll find a way for all of the folks that we engage or are, are in touch with to, to fund and support civic engagement programs to create this culture of civic engagement. And then and then that culture though in the inner city areas yeah. in our inner city communities is there's been always been a feeling of like that's that government isn't there for me. They're not here for me. They're and, and when they are it's when I don't want them or when they're there <laughs> right. to harass me right. or or take taxes out of my paycheck. But then is it also part of a, a feeling ownership do it all? People right. feeling like we have to own this. Oh yeah, I I think ownership is important and, and Ownership is not taught to the residents of, of communities that look like Newark, New Jersey. You know, we have to get into knowing what ordinances is and, and what our rights are in our community so that we can know and feel that we are supposed to be owners. And I, I would add, you know, if we're going to be owners, we have to own opportunities, uh, receive opportunities to own assets in our community, but we also have to own our conduct and own our community right. and be responsible and take that leadership to say, hey, that's not happening on our watch here. This is our community. So those of us who have the knowledge and, you know, really love what's happening in the hood, we have to go in the hood. Mm -hmm. We have to show love in the hood. We have to be responsible for the hood and deal with it because it's a lot of things that come out of our culture that sets us back while at the same time the culture is so powerful that can propel us so far mm -hmm. that every little young girl and boy who love hip-hop culture can, can reach and become the president. But we have to be responsible and have integrity about what we're doing and not talk out of both sides of our mouth when it's convenient. And not make dysfunctional behavior the, the norm. Right. Or what's acceptable. All right, this is great. Thank you, thank you all mm -hmm. for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. A famed entertainment attorney and publisher and owner of The Source, Londell McMillan, great to have you with us. Thank you. Also with us, uh, Do It All, Dupre Kelly, great to have you with us. Thanks, Lise. Thank you so much. And Basil Smichael, political strategist, thank you so much for being with us. Thank we really you. appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.